Welcome to Strange Bedfellows Podcast, where no question is too dark, no topic too taboo. Join us to explore sexuality, self-help, and politics with our expert guests and friends. We believe that sexual rights are human rights and that we can all create a brighter world through education and conversation. I am a parent. I am a certified holistic sex educator. I am a longtime sex worker and adult industry entertainer. My name is Elle Stanger, and I'm a host of Strange Bedfellows Podcast. My name's John. You might know me as the audio engineer and editor of last season's podcast. I'm now returning as a co-host for season two. I'm a 22-year-old gay man and activist who will share my perspective in the coming season. Join us while we explore and uncover the things that make us squirm, make us shiver, make us tingle in delight. Because sex and politics can make for some very strange bedfellows. Of course, we're going to talk about the fact that New York, in the beginning of June, I think it was June 10th, June 9th, early on in the month of June, they have introduced a bill that would decriminalize sex work. Oh, nice. Yeah. So The Hill wrote an article, New York introduces state bill decriminalizing sex work. This is huge because this is the first bill of its kind uh, in this country, Uh especially from New York, which is a, a very pivotal state in elections anyway. Yeah. So New York lawmakers on Monday introduced a statewide bill to decriminalize sex work that advocates are calling the first proposed legislation of its kind in the country. The bill is called Stop Violence in the Sex Trade Acts. It is a package of bills that seeks to amend state statutes in order to decriminalize, they mean full-service sex work, between consenting adults while upholding existing anti-trafficking laws. Interesting. Damn. I got excited when I saw this. So as you know, I've brought it up in these community meetings that I attend with law enforcement once a month. They've been going on for 20 years. I'm very public about them. But I posed this last month, and I had a meeting last week, and luckily it was it was like, I think, the day before this, this came out in the news. Yeah. So in this meeting... Instead of in front of state and federal law enforcement agents, um, I said, I want to put this. Can I put this on the agenda for next month? Because we have to propose our topics a month yeah. ahead of time. Uh, I want to propose decrimi- decriminalization in Oregon. And I love saying the word hand job in front of cops. <laughs> <laughs> and I looked them in the eye and I said, <laughs> I would love to be able to give a hand job for $20 or whatever it is so I can take <laughs> that money and go to the store and my client doesn't worry about their photo on the newspaper like they're a child rapist or something, you know, yeah. said it's time. Those so, cops are all like, oh, okay, we can, we'll hurry up this legislation. <laughs> they're like, we don't want to hear her say hand job anymore. <laughs> um, so it's funny. Actually, after that meeting, there is a... Uh, want to out this person anyway so at this like i really i really was like i would love for this to happen let's stop wasting everyone's time um with scaring the shit out of people who aren't hurting each other (laughs) you know um and they said give us three to five points reasons why uh we should consider this and let's put it on the agenda we'll discuss it you know bring these points to the meeting but you know please email them ahead of time 
So. (laughs) (laughs) So why should Oregon decriminalize the sale of sex or the full service sex acts we call prostitution? Well, we have, I learned, 90 sworn officers in our Multnomah County Department, like police, Portland Police Department. I'm sorry. We have 90 sworn officers in the Portland Police Department and we need like 300 yeah. So there's short staff. So wouldn't it be nice if we could allocate our limited resources of less than 100 cops to situations where consent and boundaries are being violated and where people are asking for help, you know, um, and not criminalize people maybe who are in situations of abuse or homelessness. Yeah. Um, what about, here's the second point, Oregon has often been a leading example in free speech and consent ideals. Like look at our current situation with diverse um, strip clubs and adult venues where we can touch ourselves you know that's unheard of in a lot of places around the country i can touch my own body in front of other people there's a lot of clubs you can't touch your own nipples you can't touch your own vulva that's fucking crazy there's topless only clubs many of the clubs around the country if they are full nude they don't serve alcohol um so and where in oregon we have in many most of our venues you know gambling and food and alcohol and full nudity and sometimes sex shows we set a good standard in a lot of places for how good these things can be that's why people travel from all over the country to our clubs uh third point how about lower sti transmission with more available resources and safer spaces for sex to occur yeah it's like what happened uh rhode island accidentally decriminalized the full sale service of sex aka prostitution and their sti rates went down as did their incidences of rape yeah was that a permanent decriminalization no they didn't realize they did it actually so they just weren't actively prosecuting for these cases Uh and when a politician figured out after i think it was about 10 years this had existed i think it was from 99 to 2006 or so (laughs) don't quote no one noticed no one yeah but then when they looked back they were like, oh, shit. Anyway, so what happened is when when politicians figured out they decriminalized it, they closed the loophole in the language. It is recriminalized. Oh. But for that period of time, there was a sample that they could study. And so STI rates went down. Sexual assault went down. Well, reported sexual assault went down. How about just one more? Uh, decriminalization in Oregon would be one small way to fight FOSTA and SESTA. Yeah. FOSTA and SESTA is federal, but it's not the first time that states have gone around the federal law. Look at cannabis. Yeah. You know, like cannabis is still illegal on a federal level. That's why the dispensaries can only deal in cash because the banks won't work with them with the credit or however the heck that works. It has something to do with that. Yeah. Um, Because a lot of the banks are insured uh, by the federal government. So mm -hmm. What is it? FDIC insured? Something like that. And then also to be able to operate uh, between states, I think they have to... It would have to be a state-only bank. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that would be a really nice way to not stick it to the man because it's still legislation. What happened with Faust and Sesta is it got passed in the year-ish since that's happened. A lot of people have learned that that was a horrible idea. We have statistics about the people who have died or even killed themselves because they couldn't make ends meet. Um, these are providers we're talking about who got pushed from their boards mostly from what I'm, I've heard pushed from like their, um, their platforms where they could book their clients. Yeah. Yeah. Craigslist personals and stuff like that. Um, so those are a few points. If you can think of some more reasons, either as a sex worker or a clinician or even law enforcement, 
uh, I can't imagine too many cops listen to the show, but you know, <laughs> you never know. Uh, write to us, pillow talk at strangebedfellowspdx.com. A big ass burly man of about 300 pounds and a beard to his waist. Uh, he was like wearing sunglasses in the club, like just kind of grunting around <laughs> like big, scary dude. Sunglasses but at like lucky devil inside. Yeah. It's well, dark as fuck inside. I know. So how did he see where he was walking? <laughs> so I'm going to tell more of this story actually just for a second. Cause he's, he might hear this. The point is, so I actually arrived at work and I was sitting in my car and I watched these two grizzly old trucker looking dudes, uh, come out and one of them starts attacking a scooter <laughs> like everybody hates this everybody uh, hates oh, those scooters okay. yeah but he's like fuck you he's like i'm gonna teabag you fucking fuck you scooter and just being i know i was like okay riley i'm not getting out of this car right now <laughs> so i go inside it turns out they're like friends of a bar person so they're probably fine so i'm like okay so then the big tar- tall burly dude not the one who was attacking this his the scooter but his fr- friend the bigger guy he comes up to me and he's like, hey, I like your podcast. You do good work. And I was like, what the <laughs> fuck? God. So, right? It's so random. It's so random. Look at me judging books by their cover. But I thanked him. You're still big and scary, though. But <laughs> <laughs> And scooters everywhere are afraid of you. I know, right? Um, so I would like to introduce a recurring segment. Um. John, I suggested this segment because I don't know about some people, but I love analyzing song lyrics. And every time I listen to the radio, not necessarily my music of choice, but the radio, I am so constantly assaulted by the ideas and the language that is so soaked in misogyny that I'm like, oh shit, this is the crap I grew up on. Yeah, I've been noticing it more recently too. Like any Drake song. Yeah. all sorts of shit i mean there was a song on the radio somebody tell me who this is i have no idea but the lyric i like was going through the radio so it's like you know and i stop on this one and the lyric of the song and it's like on a pop station but it says something like look what you made me go and do you made me dance with someone new and i'm like Ugh, toxic <laughs> change it you know like i don't yeah. even know what that shit is yeah but like So, I would like to introduce our new recurring segment, Questionable Lyrics. (laughs) (laughs) Song lyrics you never noticed are problematic. (laughs) So, this first song, play like three seconds of it. Uh, How many from maybe 25 to 50-year-olds have heard that song a hundred times? Angel and Centerfold by Jay Giles Band. Uh, so I actually only noticed the lyrics of this song maybe like three years ago. Yeah. So this guy is talking about his high school crush who he found in a nude magazine. And he's very upset about it. So could we look at some of these lyrics here? She was pure like snowflakes. No one could ever stain. The memory of my angel could never cause me pain. Years go by, I'm looking through a girly magazine, and there's my homeroom angel on the pages in between. My blood runs cold. My memory has just been sold. My angel is in the centerfold. He's upset because his memory has been sold. So it's the idea that she took something from his memory 
by posing nude in this magazine. He's very upset. <laughs> uh, he says later, I hope that when this issue's gone, I'll see you when your clothes are on. <laughs> God, I love this one line. It says, um, when Angel passed close by those soft and fuzzy sweaters, too magical to touch, to see her in that negligee is really just too much. Mm-hmm. Purity myth. Like, Purity myth. I'm just like, what the fuck? This is so sad for this guy. Like, is this what he thinks about women? Like, so think about yeah. how a lot of people feel this way when they're like, how dare she pose nude? I think this song resonated with me because when I started being naked on the internet for money, I definitely had an ex-boyfriend reach out and say, everyone knew you were going to do that anyway. You were a slut. He was mad. Wow. Because of his feelings of ownership, you know? Of course. Uh, So the high school, like, soft, fuzzy sweater, which, first of all, what we're doing in high school is not what we're doing after high school, probably. Yeah. (laughs) Like, what the fuck? So he's still, as an adult, relying on his teenage fantasy. But, however, you notice... (laughs) He'll still fuck her, though. So I hope that when this issue's gone, I'll see you when your clothes are on. Take your car. Yes, we will. We'll take your car and drive it to the motel room. Take them off in private. More purity. Yeah, exactly. So nobody else can see your sexy image, but I can. Also, let's bone. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Never once does he mention the fact that, of course, she got paid. I mean, I hope she got paid for this. So I just think this is a really interesting way This song is played hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of times over for so many people. And sometimes kids hear these lyrics and I just wonder if there was anything turning in my mind. I heard it over and over again. It's like, don't own your own body because your high school crush or boyfriend might be very, very pissed. (laughs) (laughs) God, that's how I feel. So we'll take a break there. Attention service and sex industry workers. Seeking Space Yoga is dedicated to providing a holistic option for after your weekend shift at 3 a.m. on Saturdays and 4 a.m. on Sundays. These special Sin Yin classes are meant to help you wind down and improve overall health. Need a little motivation? Your first Sin Yin class is free and they offer 15% on all memberships and packages for those in the industry. Visit SeekingSpaceYoga.com or download the Seeking Space Yoga app for more information and to check out other industry-friendly class times. Welcome back to Strange Bedfellows podcast. We were talking about decriminalization and purity myths in songs. Let's do some follow-up feedback in our listener questions. So we got a question. Uh, hey, Ellen John. I'm a longtime listener of the show and big fan. I think what you are doing is super educational, helpful, and interesting. I was just listening to your latest episode of Strange Bedfellows, and while Elle was discussing her implants, I couldn't help but think about this documentary called Absolutely Safe, which details the problems implants can cause. A lot of what the researchers bring up is how even medical-grade silicone can cause illnesses, named and unnamed alike, from simply being in the body. While this seems to be only one perspective on silicone implants, their data seems very compelling and made me wonder what the implications might be around other silicone we use on a daily basis, specifically sex toys. 
I'd love to hear more about what you two think on this topic. Okay. So luckily I have plenty of information on this topic, kind of. So if you search for breast implant illness and you can hashtag BII on even Instagram. Um, So I started doing some reading about this and it turns out it's not just Allergan, my implant manufacturer, another manufacturer called Mentor. Um, It's is happening. So there are investigations into these two implant manufacturers, specifically with the textured silicone. However, some people with autoimmune issues uh, will reject things that are in their bodies, even medically inert silicone. Inert means it's not being absorbed in your body. It's encapsulated. Yeah. But it's like I had a friend who was pregnant and it turns out she has this genetic disorder where her body thinks a fetus is a foreign object. And so it attacks it, which is why she had many, 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 many miscarriages and then one very premature child. Um, So in people who have their implants rejected within the first two years, 75% of it tends to be right after the implant process because your body is like attacking this foreign object. Um, this also happens with knee surgeries, apparently where silicone is, is put in there. Um, I would like to see that documentary. I will at some point. This is another reason that I suggest if you are thinking about having a breast lift or an augmentation, I would suggest doing a lift because it's a little more expensive, but they're not putting any implants in there. Yeah. So you won't have to worry about implant issues. Um, with sex toys, they're not staying in your body. They're yeah. not being implanted into your body. You know, like um, Portland Toy Company is a friend of ours. And they actually get this question a lot from people who are concerned about putting silicone in their body. But if you think about putting like silicone ear um, earrings, like gauges for people with stretched ears, you know, it, you take it out. It's it's not inside of your body. It's, it's outside, it's exterior. So with the sex toy, that again should be fine. With sex toys, you're safe unless your pH is maybe so sensitive that anything you put inside yourself is going to disrupt your body. Um, and people can be, you know, sensitive to anything. Lotion, semen, fruit. <laughs> yeah. So that's what I think. Um, so my takeaway in that is sex toys, you're fine implants research the heck out of it don't believe your doctor don't believe your surgeon i like my surgeon he's a nice guy anybody who wants to get implants i would definitely over and again recommend where i go where i got my implants where i got my fix and where i continue to get my fillers in my face Um, i think they're providing the best care they can but do i think that maybe everyone is entirely transparent when their motivations are to make money in their field no I asked my surgeon about the implant, uh, the FDA investigation, and he said it's textured implants. It's only about one in 3,000 women experience that kind of mystery illness. And there's one more thing I want to say. As someone who teeters on hypochondria with germophobia and OCD, it's also possible that people who have mystery like implant illness have a ton of other anxiety or related issues that they might be hyper-focusing around the implants. Yeah. Like psychosomatic shit is powerful. So I believe that people do get better when they take their implants out. That could be because their body is attacking it. It could be autoimmune. It could be totally psychosomatic. Yeah. That's what I think. Want to read the next question? Sure. The question about cramping with orgasm. Some input. 
I had cramping in particular pelvic floor muscles during and after orgasm with everyone. Then my IUD came out of my uterus. I accidentally laughed it out. Then laughed I it out? didn't cramp at all during orgasm. Wait, let's, re- let's go back to that. <laughs> this person laughed out their IUD. That's amazing. Good to know. I want to hear the joke for like, <laughs> that made them... Um, then I had a new IUD placed and I cramp with every orgasm again. I think it's a cervix uterus irritant thing for me. I'm not particularly young, parentheses, late 30s. This is not to discount, well, you're not particularly old either. <laughs> this is not to discount any of the other answers given by this amazing guest slash expert, Dr. Evelyn Dacker, who was wonderful to listen to. Just adding that to the conversation. Um, so that's what they had to say. It's really sweet that you said that she's not particularly old either, John, because just wait 10 years and your body will hurt more. <laughs> well, I'm sure it I'm will, middle aged now, technically. Like- Did you know that? I'm approaching middle age. And I look hot as fuck. (laughs) (laughs) I just don't feel that great sometimes. Um, Yeah. So this is in reference to what we talked about in episode two with Dr. Evelyn Dacker. Um, I think that's really good information. All of that. I I learned. We just learned that you can laugh out an IUD, um, that there could be a IUD issue related to cervical cramping. Um, I don't think I have any other feedback on that. Good to know. Uh, some more feedback question. Number three. So this person was very gracious and they didn't want to think they were being a uh, negative in terms of how they viewed the episode, but they did say, I want to address the biphobia question because you both were kind of dismissive on the cheating aspect as a bi femme previously married to a cis dude with no restrictions on how I date or who I date. I've gotten the, don't you want to cheat? question from so many people often to my face in rude ways i'll point out that when they are in straight monogamous relationships they don't chase every person they're attracted to yeah yeah i agree with that i actually um in reviewing that episode i regretted that we didn't go more into that question so i was kind of happy to hear this so we could bring it up again Um, i think to us it just kind of seemed obvious so it didn't cross our minds to think about it at that point like oh the don't you want to cheat yeah i remember that question I remember that question a lot. You we, you kind of talked about how you were trying to bring that guy you liked to be like, no, come to the gay side. Yeah, I can identify have with like that a, more. A better idea and like sense of like who he was. Because mm-hmm. I, I mean, no, to be fair, I was also like 15 or something. But Oh, you yeah. said you're in high school. You said yeah. you were a senior in high school. So older, but yeah, still, bit yeah. older, maybe 16 or 17. But yeah, no. So I definitely like have learned from that. Yeah. Um, I think the um, the fear, the fear of cheating. Okay, so I definitely, this is more of a monogamy to me than an orientation question, even though it's about orientation, because I don't have to worry about cheating yeah. if my partner and I, you know, have agreements or understand that once in a while we're going to want to experience other things. So. If I have one partner, no matter what they look like, what genitals or orientation or presentation I'm working with, I'm going to want some diversity in my life. Mm-hmm. So if I was a monogamous person, person, don't you want to cheat? Yeah, probably. <laughs> 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 but I'm not a monogamous person. I'm, I'm casually, we're casually open with some agreements. Um, but when we feel attraction to other people, we can bring that up with each other. So that is a safeguard for me in a way for us. 
but yeah, if you are in a very controlling, particularly um, jealous, monogamous relationship, yeah, I could see how that would be stressful. <laughs> like, oh, we've been together seven years and maybe she misses pussy or maybe she misses dick or whatever. Yeah, that's a legitimate concern. Um, I don't know how people work that out long term, but that's why I fully believe that we shouldn't have to be trapped in those boxes. Yeah. So if you are a bisexual monogamous person who sometimes feels the urge to cheat, please write to us. Pillow talk at strange bedfellows, pdx.com. <laughs> tell us how you manage. <laughs> Seriously. Tell us how you manage. I want to know. I'm not saying it's not manageable. So we got another listener question. This one was in response to uh, my post on my page, metric.cafe. Um, a question was, is it weird to be a virgin at 17? And this might be too personal, but how old were you two when you lost your virginity? Mm, I lost my virginity when I was five because I couldn't stop masturbating. And uh, no, <laughs> <laughs> So we're talking about penis and vagina, I guess. <laughs> Uh, when did yeah. we first have or so like this, full penetration yeah. yeah okay penis and anus that's yeah. right look at me think about my cis woman parts <laughs> um so any kind of penetration so if this person's 17 no it's not weird um when i was a teenager i was told by the government that studied this i think it was the cdc that the average age for sex for cis girls is about 15 and the average age for cis boys in america this was in the aughts, was 17. Um, that made the average age 16 that Americans were fucking because the 15-year-olds tended to be fucking the 17-year-olds, which is very similar to my experience in high school. Um, the girls tend to go for the older boys, or the boys their age just aren't that interested. I don't know what the deal is hormonally, but um, no, I wish I'd waited longer, actually. I thought about this when I was driving home from the grocery store a couple years ago. I've been having sex for ha over half my life now. Yeah. And I mean, I honestly just, I did it when I think I was f almost 15. I was 14, 15 and I could have waited longer. Like it wasn't first time I had penis in my vagina. I thought a mix of excitement and then uh, kind of disappointment. This is it. <laughs> yeah, really. This is it. Like I've talked about this before. Staring at the ceiling while Sarah McLachlan played in the background. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> I don't remember which song it was. Oh, I know which song it was. It was uh, Building a Mystery. Okay, yeah. That song came out in like 1998. Everybody go uh, Google that if you want a snapshot of my adolescence. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, John? Um, I regretted more the the choice of the person and not the experience. Like, I thought the experience was pretty good. Like, it went really well. Um, Interesting. But the person, why not the person? I mean, because I didn't know them, didn't have any sort of, like, emotional connection to them. So the sex was less intimate than it could have been. And, um, yeah, and it was also just, like, I had to get pretty drunk to have it. I was 17 Same. at the time. So You were 17? Yeah, for the full, pe like, penetration. Uh, first time I gave head was, like, 15, I think. Yeah, I was, like, 13 yeah. or so. Yeah. yeah gateway yeah it's a gateway drug to penetration is <laughs> <laughs> your mouth being penetrated <laughs> um i could have waited longer i think more people could do themselves a service by waiting a little bit longer there's no rush yeah so it's not weird to be a virgin at 17 yeah. um in response to that question it's not weird at all it's not weird to be a virgin at 25 there are people yeah. i've encountered who are, had not have sex and were 
a decade older than I was. So I have clients who have still never had sex. They're in their mid forties. You know, for a lot of people, it's an anxiety thing. Yeah. Um, which again would be really nice if we had easier ways for people to contact each other and communicate about wanting to find sex. Yeah. Hashtag sex positive Portland. Yeah. Or just sex positive world. Yeah. Or decriminalize that shit. Motherfuckers. (laughs) Um, Pardon my language. And we got another question, um, which was how to give good head with a condom and to talk to men about why I don't want to suck dick without one. (laughs) So put a little lube inside the condom. Interesting. Put a little lube inside the condom because it acts like the for the condom can act like a foreskin yeah so it's easier to to do like a hand job motion with it um it's the I same like my mouth would get so dry giving head with a condom like i would yeah. need like and they sell like hydrating mouth spray which like some of them are natural maybe like xylitol and some of them aren't and they have like other shit in them but like that's an option i guess water like, <laughs> water I if mean, you live in a place yeah. where you can get clean water from the sink yeah um and talking to men about why you don't want to suck their dick without one i feel like i don't want to get a a throat infection yeah you know like when was the last time you were screened for stis oh you don't know that's why i want to use a condom because you can get a throat infection yeah you know or if there's any blood passed i don't know what kind of ravaging face fucking you do but you know like transmission that's why yeah it's the same thing with like a dental dam um i would suggest a dental dam in the majority of the cases where i don't want someone's actual tongue on my actual pussy because we don't know each other at all so i would put lube on one side of the dental dam and then lay it flat on my puss and this way the sensation feels it just feels more so when it's wet on the other side yeah. So whether it's the inside of a condom or lube on the dental dam that's going on your vulva, anus, whatever. Because um, that's a really hot way to have either very anonymous sex that's very safe with people. Yeah. Or to have semi-anonymous sex like when you're paying for it with a person you don't know and you don't trust or have any idea about their screening history. So. Yeah. Let's take a break. Are you looking to advertise your product or service to a growing worldwide audience? StrangeBedfellowsPDX.com wants to hear from you. Contact us, StrangeBedfellowsPDX at gmail.com to learn about affordable website and social media advertising. Whether your business is big, small, or weird, we offer sliding scale and affordable advertising. Email StrangeBedfellowsPDX at gmail.com to partner with us today. Hey friends, are you sick of razor burn? Have your nethers cleaned up by the pros at Netherlands Wax in Vancouver, Washington, where experienced owner estheticians have performed literally thousands of Brazilian waxes. Netherlands Wax is gender neutral, sex positive, trans and queer welcoming, kink positive, and body positive. We are just over the 205 bridge in Vancouver, Washington. Worth the drive. Find us on Facebook, Yelp, or netherlandswax.com. Welcome back. Since we're talking about sex work and cops, let's talk about a guy used the Snapchat gender filter to catch a predator. The article itself is called also, here's what it says about Asian fetishization. So this article on Refinery29, 
Uh, a guy used the Snapchat gender filter to catch a predator. They also talk about in this article what it says about Asians being fetishized. So the predator they caught was a 40-year-old cop named Robert Davies who was trying to hook up with, well, Ethan said that his name was Esther, and the 20-year-old college student posed as the 16-year-old girl using Snapchat's gender swap filter. So remember we were talking about these. It's not all bad. Look, they can be used to fight crime. Interesting. <laughs> Interesting. Um, so it was in San Jose, the San Jose Police Department. Uh, the article here, so this article that I'm pulling from right now was written by Tiffany Diane So on June 12th for this uh, website, Refinery29. And so as an Asian woman, she goes deeper into it about how frequently Asian women are exploited and fetishized. Um, we are often told we are more youthful than we are, which plays a role in stereotyping Asian women as submissive and exotic. There is a high rank in desirability on dating sites for Asian women, and these stereotypes can lead to harm. Uh, it says Asian fetishization has long fueled a history of sexual colonization of women in East Asian countries at U.S. military camps by deployed GIs, and it has fueled the flow of Westerners into Southeast Asia countries like Cambodia and Thailand for the purpose of sex tourism. Um so that's a separate issue, but I thought interesting to note because it is a big part of the article, but the old article in general, um, so this 20-year-old, I wonder what his motivation was, but he's like, hey, I'm a college student. I want to try to solicit um, sexual predators. Yeah, it says in the, in the article that he uh, apparently did this. He was motivated because one of his friends had been molested as a child. Ooh. Uh, and he just wanted to catch someone. Okay. Um, and the person he ended up catching was a cop. <laughs> and he sent it to Crime Stoppers. Uh, so Esther and Davies, which is Robert Davies. So Esther had a Tinder profile where she was originally listed as 18. Davies began messaging her. And then in their conversation, which moved to the Kick app, which I didn't know people still use, um, Esther told him that she was 16 and asked if he was okay with it. He said yes. Davies said yes, despite the fact that the age of consent in California is 18. Um, their conversation grew more explicit. They messaged back and forth for 12 hours. Esther slash Ethan collected the evidence and sent it to Crime Stoppers on May 11th. Uh, ooh, interesting and related. So... This isn't the first time internet vigilantes have used the likeness of an Asian girl to, quote, catch a predator. Uh, I've heard about the Sweetie. Sweetie. Yeah, I've seen like a documentary, a mini documentary on Sweetie. A virtual 10-year-old Filipina girl. Yeah, they uh, they basically created like a CGI girl um, and then posted like her and people could like uh, pay or like interact with her. Um, and Damn. they caught like a shit ton of people like internationally it says 1000 internationally in 2013 yeah Ooh, can you say this organization name because it's in french uh terre des hommes which means the <laughs> terre des hommes yeah it means the earth of men terre des hommes or the earth of man okay yeah. an international charity rights organization created the computer model and carried out the international sting operation um interesting 
So, oh God, I used to fantasize about like, so side note, back when I wanted to work in law enforcement, one of my fantasies was that being a small bodied chick, I would get to work fun stuff like this where I could kind of like bust, um, abusers, um, trafficking rings by just like acting like the target. So it's all very exciting to me. I remember when I moved here from San Diego area to Portland, I remember being in the public library in the small town Gresham where I lived. And I just remember I saw a dude jerking off, <laughs> jerking off in the kids section on the computer mm-hmm. to a blowjob thing. And I came over and I was like, hey, you know, like <laughs> I want I was like, I'm going to be vigilante bitch, you know, going after these <laughs> creeps. And it's always been fun for me. But I've always fantasized at this point. I don't look young enough. I don't. And I have too many tattoos. But I used to w- wish that I could be like that kind of sting operation bait. Yeah. Just to be like, that's how I exact revenge, you know? Yeah. If I didn't have a child, I'd just be an assassin. Like, I don't <laughs> care. I know. But I have to be responsible now. So we'll just talk about this stuff. But good for you, Ethan. <laughs> I appreciate you. <laughs> that cop is going to get so murdered in jail. Prison. <laughs> um, Mexico City has decriminalized sex work what the fuck that's awesome so this was also in early june of this year lawmakers in mexico city's congress voted 38 to 0 in favor of a bill to remove a line in the civic culture law which said that prostitutes and their clients can be fined or arrested if neighbors complained interesting so people need a place to work if they're working out of where they live, like a lot of people, it's really dangerous and sketchy. I mean, I don't even want my neighbors knowing anything about me that I do a podcast. You know, like, yeah, <laughs> I don't want them spying. Can you imagine if your work is illegal and you're worried about your neighbors reporting you? Yeah. Temis Stokely's Villanueva, a local representative with the ruling center-left Morena Party, said the new law recognized that people had the right to engage in sex work. He says, it's a first step that has led to the regulation of sex work to fight human trafficking and strengthen the rights of sex workers. Exercising sexuality in our country is still a taboo topic that few of us dare to speak about. And that is in Mexico City. Uh, So that's fucking amazing. Let's keep our eyes on that. I will be really interested to see how that impacts any of their crime studies and statistics. Mexico is listed as a tier two nation in the U.S. trafficking in persons report, meaning it does not meet the minimum standards for the elimination of trafficking, but is making significant efforts to do so. I'm reading the part about how they say that uh, human rights groups in Mexico say criminalization only sends the problem deeper underground and exposes an already vulnerable group to abuses by the police and organized crime. Mm-hmm. And I was like, yep, it's <laughs> basically the same thing in America. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, we know. Yeah, I'm trying to think of it's hard to explain how even the Nordic model endangers people but ooh the economist just did like (gasps) a huge uh, article about that find it Uh, yes let's find it so the article starts out saying are you getting enough satisfaction in your bedroom purrs the narrator of a recent advertisement for Ikea a Swedish retailer if not, the Ikea Kama Sutra has the solution. Loft beds for those who are not afraid to be on top. Lustrous duvet covers to bring feelings of ecstasy. Swedes have a reputation for being pro-sex. Yet Sweden's prostitution laws are surprisingly illiberal and increasingly being copied elsewhere. 
The Netherlands is the latest country to flirt with the Swedish model. So I love that this Economist article, it came out June 15th, 2019. It says the idea of criminalizing prostitutes' clients is spreading. Prostitutes hate it. So it's talking about why the Nordic model or the Swedish model is harmful in criminalizing our clients. Again, it makes it really confusing. An official report says that the vast majority of sex workers are safer and healthier since prostitution was decriminalized in 2003. Mm -hmm. um, those working on the streets report that their relationship with the police has improved and use of condoms is higher than in other Australian states where it is banned. Hmm. No country has ever fully eliminated prostitution. Many people want more sex than they can get without paying. Sex workers meet that demand, and so long as the terms are freely negotiated, the law should not stop them, argue their unions. Police should concern themselves only with genuine cases of coercion. Quote, nobody wants a safer sex industry than sex workers themselves, says Fleur, not her real name, of the Prostitution Information Center in Amsterdam. Perhaps nice. Dutch lawmakers should listen to the experts. And that's how the article from The Economist ends. Nice. So cool. there is a big change happening. Yeah. This, these articles are starting to make it into the mainstream. Yeah. The, I mean, we weren't even seeing this two years ago. We weren't seeing this three years ago. I wasn't seeing this. Let's think about as a client, have you ever gone into a place where you felt uncomfortable? What you were doing wasn't even illegal, but maybe you felt uncomfortable, like going to the pharmacy and buying, I don't know, like buying the morning after pill is embarrassing for some people or going into a porn shop and, you know, being nervous about what you're picking out. Like the anxiety around people's sexuality causes so much fear. Yeah. Can you imagine if the sex you're trying to have is also criminalized? How fucking scary. How scared are you? How strange and weird and anxious and abrupt are you going to be acting? Maybe you're going to take alcohol or drugs to mitigate, you know, that anxiety. This is why I don't want my clients anxious. Yeah. You know, I want them to be able to pay for this like they would pay for a car wash or a massage. Yeah. <laughs> So it's hard because it's like, how do we even teach people? We can't. We can't teach people to be empathetic. But it makes sense that you don't want to criminalize the clients at all. It's not helping us. Please stop. You know what? Let's end on some happy notes. Um, can we talk about... We, did we talk about it a little bit? Can we talk about the time you did full service in Portland? Uh, yeah. No, so basically... Um, let's, yeah, let's tell that story because it is still... It is very much illegal for clients here. Yeah. So I had a brief full service experience in Oregon um, where I went on to Grindr with the intent of making money. Um, I advertised that by putting like, um, some sort of caption with like a dollar sign in my, like <laughs> in the subtitle of my bio. So it would appear like when people were scrolling down the grid and on Grindr, which is not like a for sale. It's not a red pages, no. you know? So like I got a couple offers, a couple were really sketch, like people willing to pay like way over what I was saying, but also like not, it seemed like they they wanted to talk through the fantasy and not actually like ever end up meeting. And so wait, did they like, offer you more money? But yeah, they weren't. One guy was like, "I'll pay you a thousand dollars," and I was like, "Okay, well, we haven't even talked about a meeting time or like what you want to do or like I'm like, 
No. See, I've never um, heard all this, really. Yeah. Okay. So that was just kind of just surprised by that. Um, and then I, I finally got a, a guy who was like, yeah, I'm like interested in, in that. And in but that. And like, but it was, it was strange because like on one hand, it seemed like he didn't want to treat it like it was trading sex for money. He was, and he also didn't want to call himself gay. But he was on Grinder looking to pay a guy to have sex. Um, this was a married guy with like three kids, and like he talked about that fact afterwards. After the sex, together. Right? Yeah. yeah. And then we slept together a second time within the same session. Mm-hmm. Um, can we, without being too specific, can you mention where? It oh took God! Place? I thought I was gonna get murdered. Where? <laughs> um, it took place in what was being a. Uh, it was a home that was being renovated and I thought I was going to get murdered because I show up um, everything looks normal on the outside of the house and then I just like knock on the door uh, dude appears lets me in and there's just like nothing in the apartment like when I say nothing I don't mean like the house or or the the house Um, and there's just nothing in there like the entire like walls and like floors have been stripped bare like the there's no anything on the staircase like there's just everything's just empty and there's like a tarp on the floor and a bucket and i'm just like is this the part where like he pulls out a chainsaw and cuts me up into pieces and rolls me up in a tarp um but i was also like um a little bit manic at the time Mm -hmm. and (laughs) so i was like fuck it like yeah so um and it, but I could tell he was super anxious and like he also didn't want to treat it like as we went through a conversation like it was a transaction of like sex for money which to me it completely was I was just like I want to make money like I'm tired of not making my own money mm-hmm. um, and so that was cool um, and the fact that he was anxious wasn't that great um, because I could tell that he wanted to get things over with faster but then he also wanted to talk which was a weird combo like he told me like basically to put my clothes back on the first time we were done having sex but it seemed like it was more out of anxiety Mm. and he was like i've never done this before like i'm still straight you know i just sometimes i like to sleep with guys and like i'm married and i'm like okay i really don't need to know but like thanks (laughs) like thank you for sharing um and uh and i was just like so like do you get a i was curious so i asked i was like so what's your sex life what's your sex life like at home and uh he was like yeah like i don't get a lot of touch and she doesn't like to like have like sex for long and yeah so i was just like oh okay interesting interesting well they have Um, three kids so that probably has a big part of it yeah and then i mean i'd be fucking exhausted with like a dog i can't imagine three kids so um my dog currently is hanging out at my parents house because he made his new best friend which is my other dog and they're (laughs) just hanging out match made in doggy heaven yeah they're super cute um but yeah no so this guy was like telling me about all that and i was just like sitting there and like oh god you have so many problems (laughs) 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 like what a what that's what i'm hearing though what a hard spot to be where it was like yeah he wanted to get it over super fast yeah and then we had sex a second time and immediately as it ended he told me to put all my clothes back on again like just the anxiety that there was around doing a something that was legal two something that was taboo and three something where he could get caught by his wife Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. And he was like, yeah, like, and I was like, do you want me to give me, like, house. Our, your number? Or I can give you, like, my number that we, we can 
text off of Grinder or something. And he's like, no, like I can't have that on my phone. And I was like, well, I'll just message you off on Grinder. And he's like, well, I delete the app every time I use it. So fuck. I'm just like, Jesus, fuck. How do you like? <laughs> what a way to live. Yeah. How many husbands live like this because of homophobia in our culture? It's sad. Honestly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How many times have you heard, um, I'm not gay, I just like to have sex with men sometimes? Oh, I've heard that a couple times. Yeah. <laughs> so wait, and this was in a client's house probably, right? Cause the um, house he was, I think he was renovating a, a client's house. Yeah, not his house. No. No, he was like a contract worker. <laughs> right. So if anybody <laughs> had their house renovated my, last like, year. Parents contractors are up to <laughs> while they're gone. <laughs> <laughs> That's <what> Orgy. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Oh, man. God. Okay, well. Thank you to everybody who listened. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna get really stoned on one of our after shows and take a bunch of hate mail. I think so. That'd be fun. Look for us on Patreon. <laughs> God. Until next time. Until next time. Thank you for listening to Strange Bedfellows podcast. To find behind the scenes photos, bonus clips, and journals from your guests and hosts. Type www.patreon, that's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com forward slash strange bedfellows and join for only $1. Find us online at strangebedfellowspdx.com and Instagram at strangebedfellowspdx. You can find me, L Stanger, on stripperwriter.com and Instagram as L Stanger. Write your hate mail or sex and relationship questions to pillow talk at strangebedfellowspdx.com and find me, John, on Instagram at metric.cafe. Please rate and review our show on your favorite listening app. Thanks for supporting sex education and freedom of expression.